Thank you for tuning in to my podcast, Enforcing Purpose with Lisa Schwartz. For more information or to keep up on current events and products, please go to my website at www.lisa-schwartz.com. I'm going to open us up in prayer and then we're going to jump right in and talk about our design to prosper. So we're going to talk about kind of the faux pas word prosperity this morning and I'm excited to talk about it. God, we come before you in the name of Jesus and I just thank you, Lord, for your presence. I thank you for your truths. I thank you, Lord, for your word that guides and navigates and directs and reveals, God, what is right and what is wrong, what is true and what is not true for us. God, we receive your word this morning. God, a final authority in our lives. We recognize your presence in this room that will shift, God, any Logos word that we have heard in the past into a Rhema word, that it would be revealed to us this morning, God. God, I thank you in advance for the aha that you plan to bring into our lives even today. God, not just in this session, but in the sessions to come, that you will be opening up the eyes of our heart, that we will see, God, things that we never saw before, that we will receive, God, things we could never receive before, that we will hear in ways we never have heard before, because your Holy Spirit is present to open things up for us. So we thank you, Holy Spirit, for filling us right now in Jesus' name, not just filling us, but coming upon us, that you would empower us, that we would receive with a supernatural hearing. God, we thank you, Lord, that there's more than just the gift of tongues, but there's the gift of hearing. And so, Father, we thank you right now that you are opening up our ears that we would hear, God, in a supernatural way, that we would be changed, transformed, shifted in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Well, I was thinking earlier as uh, Stacy was praying, she said something. I'm not sure what it was she said. I'm sorry, Stacy, because the Spirit said something else as you were saying that. Um, but you talked about living life leading forward, something to that effect. Am I right? You said about your future, right? And I'm going to be talking to you this morning about how we are designed to live life with a forward lean. Okay, the Bible says that in, in, in Hebrews 10.38 that we are not of those who shrink back. In fact, it says that God will not be pleased with us if we shrink back, but we are designed to live life leaning forward. And when you said that, I thought, how divine that she's setting the stage for us to hear a message that we otherwise wouldn't hear because we're living life kind of cowardly and hesitating, moving backwards instead of leaning forward. I immediately thought of Proverbs 31 where it says that she laughs at the days to come. You want to know why? Because she doesn't fear what's in front of her. She's assertive. She's confident. She's tenacious. Not afraid of the unknown. Not afraid of the uncomfortable. But embracing her tomorrow. Embracing her future. Living life with a forward lean. Ladies, this is prosperity. It means we're going to live life leaning forward, never shrinking back, never moving backwards, never feeling stuck, never being stuck. Because even when my circumstances say that I'm stuck, God says I'm designed to move forward. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Listen, you can experience lack of freedom in your circumstance, but if God is with you, you are still free in that circumstance. This is what I'm talking about, where we live a life that is different than our reality. We live our life in the supernatural. And so I'm opening, I'm I'm praying that the Lord would just open our eyes to receive what we think we've always known, what we think we've always heard, but we receive it in a new way today. I like to tell people, you don't know what you don't know. 
And the thing that will keep you from knowing is thinking that you already know. So a lot of people in here are like, oh yeah, I already know we're designed to prosper. Then are you prospering? Are you embracing the fullness of what that means? I, I just released my fifth book. It's called Enforcing Purpose. The very first chapter is, thank you, the very first chapter is called Designed to Prosper. And, and uh, it's interesting because as I was reading it and as I was writing it, I had my husband read it and I said, what do you think about this title? Do you think I'm going to turn people right off from the, from the get-go? And he's like, I do. I think you need to change the title. And when he said that, I was like, that, that nails it. I'm not changing it. Because... <laughs> Because I don't like to live life on the safe side. I want to challenge people. What does it mean that we're designed to prosper? See, a lot of us have an aversion to that word. Because if I receive the word, then I have to accept the fact that maybe I'm not living the word. Come on. And if I have to receive the fact that I might not be living the word, then I'm going to have to look inside and ask myself why. And I might have to make some changes in my life. I might have to shift the way I'm thinking. I might have to shift some of the ways I'm behaving. I might have to shift some of the ways that I'm thinking. And that requires change, and change is difficult. And change is often very painful, and we don't like that. But I'm calling forth change in this room today. Because if you want to be different when you walk out of here, you've got to be willing to change. So I named the chapter Designed to Prosper. You want to know why? Because we're designed to prosper. We're designed to prosper. So let me, let me kind of back up here. I'm going to do a little teaching this morning. Can I do a little bit of teaching? Okay. All right. Here we go. The very first blessing God spoke to Adam and Eve in Genesis 1.28. We all know it, but we don't know it. Okay? Don't receive it like you know it. Receive it like you've never heard it. Open up your ears by the Holy Ghost and receive it in a new light. God blessed them. Do you know that word blessed means set them up to prosper? He set them up. When we are blessed, it means I'm set up to prosper. Okay? He set them up to prosper and he said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. All right, uh, y'all, I could preach on this for all weekend long. Because some of us are not standing on our circumstances and subduing it. Some of us aren't standing in the authority that we've been given. Some of us don't recognize that I have the authority to speak to a mountain and it shall be moved. You know, Jesus said, speak to the mountain and it will be moved. He didn't say pray to God and it would be moved. He said, you speak to it and it will be moved. That's what it means to stand upon a circumstance and say, I'm speaking to this circumstance and I'm telling you to get out of my way in Jesus' name. So he's talking about authority here, but that's not the point of this message, y'all. Okay, so he says, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish and the sea and the birds and the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Now I want us to take a look at that word fruitful in the Hebrew. It comes from the word parar, which actually means to bear fruit. Duh. But more specifically, it means to cause to bear fruit or to show fruitfulness. Okay, now don't miss what's being implied here. God's first blessing was to cause. There was a causation that was being spoken over humanity in that moment, saying, I'm going to cause you to bear fruit to the point of there will be a display and there will be evidence in your life of growth. Fruit is the evidence that a tree is alive. 
When Jesus cursed the fig tree, it's because it showed leaf, but it showed no fruit. And he knew what we didn't know. By looking on the outside, he could tell the roots on that tree are already dead. It's not going to bring forth fruit because it's behind in its season. And he's talking about the ability to recognize that that tree was not going to prosper because the roots of the tree were dead. We're talking about a fruitfulness, having the evidence of growth. I love in Isaiah 5, it says, I will sing for the one I love, a song about his vineyard. My loved one has a vineyard on a fertile hill. Now he's talking about us. We are the vineyard. We are the one that he loves. God said, I planted for myself a vineyard and I put it on a fertile hillside. Why did he plant us in a fertile place? Because he wants to cause us to produce fruit. He sets us up to succeed. He did not plant the vineyard in a barren place. He planted the vineyard in a place where it was sure to bear fruit. Every gardener prepares the soil before they plant a seed because they want to ensure that they're going to get the evidence of life out of the seed. And God says in Isaiah, I have a loved one and I planted it on a fertile hillside. And he dug up and he cleared out all the stones. He planted it with the choicest of vines. He set that up to succeed. He's removed every obstacle. Y'all, any obstacle you have in your life, it's because you let, allowed it to come in. Now, we live in a broken world, so obstacles are going to come. But when we're walking with Christ, we should be just blowing things out of our way. Somebody's going to have to receive that today. Because there are people like, mm, that's not how it's really working for me. And I'll be honest with you, it doesn't always work for me like that, but I get irritated and angry and upset and vexed when it doesn't because God says it should. I'm not going to allow my circumstance to change the way I think and what I believe. So what happens is these things come in our way, and when I speak to it, they don't mean it. I go, well, that must not be right. That theology, that doctrine must not be right. God must not be a God of the, the character he says he is. But no, we have to prosper, meaning I'm going to continue to barrel forward. And if you don't get out of my way, I'm going to run you over. That's the tenacity. That's the prosperity that we're talking about. The ability to prosper. Having the authority to speak into whatever's lying out in front of you and decide in advance this is how it's going to happen when I show up. I was teaching through uh, Genesis this last week, and we were talking about Abram and how when the angels came to him, he said, hey, let's go and let's bake some bread and let's have a, have a meal and all these things. And we were started talking about how Abram actually navigated the encounter he was going to have with God and the two angels. Let me say that again. Abram navigated. He decided what the encounter with the angels and God was going to look like. Peter, when he walked on the water last night, Lloyd, Lloyd talked about, he said, command me to come. He navigated what that encounter, Peter navigated what that encounter with God, with Jesus was going to look like in that moment. So we don't understand that we have the ability, the authority, the power to navigate what our circumstances are going to look like. We even have the ability to predetermine our encounters with Jesus. Is that not what the woman with the issue of blood did? She said her to her in herself, in her own mind, if only I can reach out and touch his hem, I know that I will be healed. She predetermined, when I touch my hem, this is what the encounter is going to look like. 
Her beliefs predetermined her encounter with Jesus. Going on, it says, he built a watchtower in it. He cut out a wine press as well. Then he looked for a crop of good grapes, but it yielded only bad fruit. Why? And we read this, and it's exciting, and I'm like, ooh, the vineyard coming in, it's going to be, it was planted with the choices of vine, it's set on a fertile hill. God has done his part. Yet it brought forth bad fruit. But when we read the story, we learn about God's heart and his desire and the intent for the children of Israel is his desire for you and I as the children of God. The blueprint within us is to bear fruit. That's prosperity. To have evidence of growth, to have evidence of life, to be growing exponentially from season to season. We expect that in the natural. I have a knockout rosebush, and I can't get that thing to stop growing for anything. I keep chopping it down, trying to pull it out, and every year it comes back, and it's bigger than the year before. You want to know why? Because it's the design of creation, and we are the finest creation that God has designed, and we are designed to bear fruit. So no matter what comes hacking at our lives, cutting at our roots, chopping at us, we should say, you can chop at me all you want, but I'm going to come back, and I'm going to be even more fruitful. That's what that's talking about. All right, so let's go on to the word multiply because remember he said be fruitful and increase in number, multiply. The Hebrew word for multiply is rabah, to become great or many, to become numerous or grow, grow great, to make large, to enlarge, to increase greatly or exceedingly. But listen to this. The word multiply in the Hebrew also denotes the idea of to shoot, Watch the motion. To lean forward, to shoot forth, to thrust ahead, to bust out. That's what he's talking about here. There's a visualization of something propelling forward with great force. You know, the Bible tells us when the kingdom of heaven is being taken with force, with force we must take it back. We do that through our multiplication process by multiplying as an individual. And the more I multiply as an individual, the more there will be a causation in my life that the people around me will begin to multiply. And then the kingdom will begin to multiply. And then we will begin to take our stand on the earth like we are designed to. If we're getting our butts kicked, it's not the government's fault. That's all I'm going to say. All right, so not only have we been designed to bear fruit, we have also been designed to live a life that leans forward. We should expect to bear fruit and to multiply. This is in your design. This is the promise of God. And whether you come into it or not, there is an abundance and a fruitfulness prepared for you and I. I'm going to say that again. Whether you come into it or not, the abundance still exists. If you remember the Israelites, they went and they saw. The Bible says they brought back evidence of fruit, yet they did not enter into the abundance. But their lack of entering in did not negate the abundance. So whether or not you enter into it does not then redefine who God is and say, well, God must not be a God of abundance because I haven't entered into my abundance. Because that's what we do. Like we shift God's character to fit our circumstances. To somehow rationalize, to somehow validate what I'm experiencing. I'm going to shift and mold God to fit my life so I can still say I'm a good Christian and living in my fullness. Come on. We've got to be willing to recognize that maybe there's more. 
As much as I have studied this message, written about it, I know that I know there's more for me to learn about it. I definitely know there's more for me to get. I definitely know it. All right, so I want to talk to you this morning about poverty mentality before we talk about prosperity mentality. So I want to talk to you about mentality because I think a lot of times we make prosperity all about the things we see around us. Okay, and so we're going to kind of debunk that today. That should be the outcome. It should be the overflow. It should be the evidence. But if all we define prosperity as is the things around us, we're missing the mark. So to do so, let me back up and talk to you a little bit about poverty mentality. Now, you know, uh, my good friend Miranda mentioned that I'm the founder of Crazy 8 Ministries. And one of the ministries we do there is housing men, women, and children. We bring them in for two to three years, and we help rehabilitate them from the top to the bottom. But what we know that we know that we know that we've learned over the years is their problem is not resource. Their problem is not we don't have a place to live. Their problem is not we don't have food. Their problem is not we don't have transportation. Their problem is I don't know who I am here or here. And life and circumstances has told me I'm stuck and I have lost or never known my design to live life moving forward. Therefore, I am stuck in a poverty mentality, not recognizing what is due me and therefore not having the unction to get after what is due me. They're tired, they're faint-hearted, they're discouraged, they're disappointed, and they're lost. And it's not because they don't have food or housing. That's the easy part for us to do, to provide all those things. What takes two years is working with them to redefine who they are in Christ, to reintroduce their design to live a life leaning forward and prospering. You recognize and you understand that most of these men, women, and children come in and they're cowering in a corner. We ask them, what have you always wanted to do? What are your dreams? They can't even think it up because they've rationalized it away, already dismissed their dreams and their visions because it's too big, it's too lofty, it will never come to pass because I have all these barriers in my life. And so we have to move those barriers out of the way and look for the design of God and then go, aha, there it is. Because somewhere in your past, every single one of us as a child, when we laid in bed at night, we had a dream. Every single one of us. And so did they. And we're looking for that dream to pull that out, to give them the unction, the motivation, the desire to begin to pursue, to begin to move forward, to begin to kick those obstacles out of their way and say, this is my obstacle today, but I don't care because God is with me and he is going to see me through it. And so what we're doing is we're working with them. But here's, here's what I want you to hear me saying. We have learned that we have learned that poverty is a matter of the heart and the mind. And if we have learned that we can, we can positively say, then so is prosperity. Let me, let me read to you this, the synonyms of poverty. Deficit, famine, lack. Y'all, I, I feel kind of, I honestly feel a little sick when I'm reading these words. Because I see people living in this on a daily basis. And I'm not just talking about the people in our shelter. I'm talking about people sitting in this room that their mind is set on the deficit in their lives. Their mind is set on the famine in their lives. Their mind is set on the lack in their lives. Their mind is set on the scarcity in their lives, the shortest, the shortage, the barrenness, the beggary, the impoverished. Watch how demonic it gets. We should not be begging when we are children of the king of all kings. 
I should not have to come and beg in my prayers. God, please. My prayers should look, I'm just standing here as your daughter and I'm here to receive my inheritance. Not because of anything that I have done, but because of who you are and what you've done. And because God, you say I'm worthy of it because the blood of Jesus Christ is from the top of my head down to the tip of my toes. And I've done all of these things wrong, but God, you did it all right. And because you did it right, I'm all right. That's all I'm saying. I mentioned I've been reading through Genesis. I've been reading through Genesis with my 13-year-old son. And it's interesting when you, when you read to a child how they don't have all the indoctrination that you do as an adult, right? And so I'm reading it to him. And, he, and I'm reading to him about Abram. And he says, boy, Abram did, really did a lot of things wrong. And at first I was like, oh, gasp. He's a great patriarch. How dare you say that about Abraham, you know? But I started looking and I'm like, he really did. He did a lot, he got a lot of things wrong, y'all. But if you read through Genesis, it, about every half chapter, it says, yet he continued to prosper. Because it wasn't about what Abram did, it was about God's covenant to Abram. I was speaking to Nenora the other day and I said, Abram slept while God made the covenant with Abram. He was at rest saying to us, I have made a covenant to you. All you need to do is rest. All you need to do is believe me. All you need to do is trust me. Go to sleep, my child. Let me put a deep sleep on you where you can be in a stupor. Come on, I want to live life in a Holy Spirit stupor. I just want to be at rest. I just want to feel happy. I want to feel good knowing that God is fulfilling the covenant while I'm sleeping. God is fulfilling the covenant because that's the kind of God he is. You cannot remove him from the covenant. We can step away from the covenant, but you cannot remove him from the covenant. I didn't even finish the synonyms for poverty because it gets, I feel like it really gets so wicked. Beggary, impoverished. I mean, like it's just that word just grates on my nerves. To be impoverished, it's so opposite of our design. That should bother us. It should bother us to the point when God says, well, why don't you open a shelter? Why don't you raise $500,000? Why don't you raise that you go, okay, because I'm so bothered looking and seeing people less than who you've designed them to be. But most of us aren't even bothered by it in our own lives. We're so, so focused on the impoverished mentality in our own lives, we can't even see it around us. Insufficiency, pauperism. Y'all, is that not like pauperism, poorness? These are just naming a few, but you get the point. It's the total opposite of our design. Yet I would venture to say that many of us in this room live a life that looks more like poverty than it does prosperity. People ask me all the time, do you believe in the prosperity gospel? And I tell them I don't believe in a poverty gospel. I mean, read the Bible It's all about God trying to move his children from the land of lack to the land of plenty. That's all it's about. From decrease to increase, from lack to abundance, from death to life, from blindness to vision. Come on, from darkness to light. If you don't call that prosperity, I don't know what you call it. I don't know what you call it. But as for me and my house, yes, we believe in a prosperity gospel because my God is a God of abundance. My God is always on the increase. My God is always multiplying. My God is ever producing. He is shooting for stars on a daily basis, never done, producing, multiplying, creating, and I'm designed in his image. Come on, somebody needs to receive that. 
We are designed in the image of God, and therefore, since he multiplies, so we also should multiply. Therefore, since he is continually producing, we should also continually be producing. Continually. All right, so attacking poverty is all about addressing what you believe about who you are designed. Listen, I'm going to say that again. It's about what you believe about the way you are designed. Do you believe that you are designed for prosperity? That you are designed to live life leaning forward? That you are designed to live life bearing fruit? That you are not designed to be moving forward, in, or not even moving forward, just living life in hesitation? When people tell me I'm hesitant, my eyebrow goes up because that's foul play. It's foul play. It's one thing to say I have a discerning spirit or there's some, but I'm just kind of hesitant. That's fear. Let's call it what it is. Let's call it what it is. It's fear. It's a cowardice mentality. It's the shrinking back that God says, I will not be happy with those who shrink back because I have set you up to succeed, yet you are bringing forth bitter fruit. It's time for us to take a look at ourselves. So I mentioned Numbers 13, they came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community of Kadesh in the desert of Paran. They reported to them and the whole assembly and showed them, listen, they saw the evidence of the fruit. The Bible says they brought back these big bunches and said, look at all the fruit. I can see it. I can smell it. It's right there. It's right there. The evidence of fruit. Then Caleb silenced the people and they, so then they go on, they say, but... They are cities that are fortified and very large. They are very powerful. So we have two messages going on here. One is fruit, evidence. I can see it. And let's not forget the promise of God. This is the whole reason they were set free from Egypt, was to be taking on that land. The whole reason. But the people who live there are powerful. Y'all, whenever there's a but, you better make sure, y'all, make sure there's sometimes there's a but the people and sometimes there's a but God. Okay? God's but is always going to be bigger than your but. So when you're reading, when you, I'm serious, I'm giving you a tip. Look at the youth are like, speak to us. Just break it down, girls. When you see a but in the scriptures, it's either going to say but man or but God. See, it's going to say one or the other. So they say all these things. God has spoken this. Here's the evidence. We see it, all these things. But man says, there's people there. Who cares? God tells us to do something, but the people there, they're not nice to me. But you see the way she looked at me? I don't think she likes me. I can make fun of women because I am one. Men don't ever try this. It will not go well for you. But the people who live there are powerful. Let's listen to the whining, the impoverished, the lack, the scarcity, the poverty verbiage that is coming out of their mouths. And in a moment, everything shifts in one but. It goes from, look at the fruit. God is God. Surely he did say. Surely he is a promise keeper. Surely here is the fruit. I smell the milk. I smell the honey. But there's people there. But there's people there. 
and the cities are fortified and very large. Even the descendants of Anak are there and the Amalekites and the Negev and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites and they live in the hilly. Look, so we could go into the, y'all, if you have never done a Hebrew study on all the ites, if you don't think you have any ites in your life, you're lying to yourself, all right? We got all kinds of ites and Caleb stood and silenced the people and he said, we should go up and take this one man. We can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. Now watch, watch for a moment. Despite the realities and despite what they saw and despite the promise of God, they allowed the smallness of their mind to shift not just what they saw, but shift their identity. This is big. This is huge. What was happening in that moment is they began to say, we're too small. We're too weak. We're too insignificant. There's too many barriers. We're not strong enough. We're not big enough. We're not blessed enough. And they began to shrink back from their promise. And they lost their identity in one moment because of a circumstance. Their entire identity from this point to this point, from Egypt to this point, has all been wrapped up in the promise of God. That's the whole reason they've been moving forward. And the minute they see the promise, they see this and they see this. And they shift their eye from the promise of God to the circumstances of the situation. And they decide, we must not be this. We must be this. They shifted, they allowed their circumstance to literally rewrite their identity in that moment. Somebody needs to receive this. Because somebody is allowing their circumstance to rewrite your identity. And I am here to tell you that is a poverty mentality. Because to believe anything less than who God has designed you to be is a shrinking back from the design of God. And when we shrink back from something that God has said to us, we are stepping into poverty and we are losing our prosperity. Come on, I need you to receive this. I need you to receive this. They saw themselves like grasshoppers in our own eyes beginning to see themselves the way the enemy saw them, beginning to see themselves the way circumstance was speaking to them. The word of God, the message of God, the label of God was null and void in that moment when they began to make an agreement with a different label. Come on, the minute you say I am, you better be careful of what you say you are. Because that should, no, you're not. Oh no, you're not. Okay, let me hurry up. Okay. Listen, even scientifically, even scientifically, in order for something to be classified as living, it must, be gro it must grow, develop, use energy, and produce. Even science will tell you that's what it means to prosper. To be alive, it means to produce. Let me read to you about prosperity mentality, the state of being prosperous, which denotes the idea of thriving with evidence. That takes us back to that fruitfulness and that, and that multiplication. The Hebrew word for prosper, listen to this, the Hebrew word for prosper means to rush, to advance, to progress, to succeed. The primitive root word for Hebrew in prosper means to push forward. That's not at all how we have defined prosperity. But if we are pushing forward, then the prosperity, the evidence will come because God will cause it to come. Not because I've produced it, but because he has produced it in me and through me. 
Listen to the synonyms for prosper, to flourish, to thrive, to luxuriate, to overgrow, to proliferate, which I had to look that up, y'all. It means to become greater in extent, volume, amount, or number. It means to shoot up, to germinate, to root, to sprout, to bloom. It's unfortunate that the world has convinced us that the only evidence of thriving is stuff around us, and we are no longer looking at the things within us. Because if we focus on the things within us, If we focus on the things within us first, the things around us will come. And even if they don't, it doesn't negate the fact that I'm still prospering inwardly. Listen, I can be living in a desert. That's what the Bible, that's what Isaiah is saying when he says you can be in the middle of a desert, yet there's no cypress, yet there's still a spring. There's still a new thing shooting up, even in the midst of a wilderness, because I can be in a circumstantial poverty situation, but inside I am prospering. You cannot stop me. My mind is moving forward. My imagination is moving forward. My dreams are still growing. My character is still increasing. Come on. And I'm still growing in who I am in Christ. That's prosperity. But the problem is we look at our circumstances and we say, my circumstances must be speaking something about me. Instead of me saying, listen, circumstance, I have something to say to you. I have something to say to you. And you can speak to me loud or not loud. You can speak to me soft. You can speak to me loud. But I have a voice that is more powerful it's not about, the, it's not about the, the volume of the voice. It's not about the amount of the voice. It's about the power behind the voice. And I have a voice within me that God has placed within me that is more powerful than any circumstance. I'm telling you, we are designed to prosper. Everybody put your hand on your heart and say, I am designed to prosper. I am designed to prosper. I'm going to close with this. Don't confuse the design of the spirit with the cravings of the flesh. Listen, do not confuse the design of the spirit with the cravings of the flesh because there is something in us that designs, desires and craves prosperity. You wanna know why? Because it's in our design. And the world and religion will tell you that it's the prosperity, prosperity gospel. But I'm here to tell you that it's a part of our design that there should be a craving in me that says I'm not okay with living life smaller than I could be or should be. Listen, that's a design of the spirit. And the enemy will take that and he will twist it and he will turn it into a craving of the flesh. But if we stand firm on who God is saying, who says we are, I can say and I can know that I know this is not a craving of my flesh. This is an unction of my spirit. This is a part of my design that I am going to prosper and I'm going to produce. Listen, the world has distorted the beauty of the kingdom prosperity with worldly riches. And we, and so therefore we have thrown out, what is it, thrown out the baby with the bathwater? Is that the, we have thrown out the, did that work right there? Okay, thank you. We have thrown the baby out with the bathwater because we're afraid of embracing what the world has told us. And therefore we just don't receive prosperity at all. And God is like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's like saying, don't ever have sex. I did say that. I looked right at you girls too when I said it. It's like saying, don't ever have sex because sometimes it's not good and sometimes it's fantastic. When it's done within the standards and the realms and the design and the creation of God, it's a beautiful gift. And so is prosperity. So is prosperity. I should have put that in the book. Let me read this excerpt to you. Get the book. I'm going to read to you an excerpt from the book. Personally, I believe that prosperity is directly connected to the fulfillment of your identity and the fulfillment of your purpose. It has nothing to do with your pocket. Meaning that prosperity is experienced as your God design and your God purpose is fulfilled. Your fullness is his promise. 
This, a lot of us are looking around us for his promise. The promise of God is your fullness, coming into the fullness. That is the promise of God. Don't look around you for the promises of God. The promises of God are within you. And the more you come into, come into an alignment, come into likeness with the promise of God within you, then things around you will just fall into place. While you are resting, while you are sleeping, the covenant will be caused. It will be caused in your life. Goes on and says, that is your promised land and your prosperity. It is being who he called you to be and pursuing the stirrings of your own heart. It is living in victory and fulfilling the call that keeps you awake at night. Come on, we all have a call that keeps us awake at night. Simply said, it is where you thrive. This is kingdom prosperity, and it is what God has in mind for you. Listen, no matter your circumstance, no matter your mindset, there is a kingdom narrative being spoken today that should shake up your mentality. It should cause a rising within you. You're designed to believe and live productively, and I'm calling forth a flip of the script today. Come on, somebody just needs to just prophetically just, I'm flipping the script. I'm changing the narrative. I'm changing the narrative in my life because my circumstance have had the narrative, but I'm changing the narrative. I'm taking the pen out of the enemy's hand and I'm putting it back in God's hand because there is a story of prosperity that has already been written and you, my child, you, my daughters, you are the main character in my story. Every single one of you. So God, we just come before you right now in the name of Jesus. God, I pray that you would break off of us the things that need to be broken. God, that you would impute into us a fresh overflow, a fresh revelation, a fresh reminder. God, shake us up. I'm actually calling forth like Saul was knocked off of his horse and he was just boom, and he was hit with the spirit, God. I want that kind of a revelation today. God, that we would be vexed when we're living less than our design, that we would be vexed when our circumstances are speaking louder than the power of an almighty God within us. God, we stand on the authority that you've given to us. We are reminded right now, God, not just reminded, but we step in with confidence. Come on, somebody needs to take a step forward. Somebody needs to take a step forward. Come on now. Somebody needs to take a step forward because we are tired of living in the back of the uh, back of the seat and we're moving to the front because God says we are the head and not the tail. God says that we are above always and never beneath. God, we rebuke that victim mentality that would tell us we're never going to make it. You're a lie straight from the pit of hell. I break you out of this room and I cast you back into the pit of hell and we receive, God, your word that says we are women who are laughing at the days to come because we have no fear. We are leaning forward because we are designed to lean forward. We are shooting forth in Jesus' name. God, we thank you that your women are Listen, the Lord's been speaking to me over and over again how people who have been unseen, people who have been in the background are going to be brought into the foreground. I know you're receiving that word, Laurel. People who have been unseen, people who have become a part of the woodwork in a room, God is bringing them forward. Just like he did Joab, the king who was hidden forever. 
And all of a sudden they were like, oh, look at this king that we've been hiding, who is here to redeem our God's nation. Come on, the Esthers are rising up. The scepter of the king is being shifted from the Hamans to the Esthers. Come on. And there are Esthers in this room. And I know you know who you are. I know you know who you are. I know you, because you're nervous right now. Your eyes are locked on me. You're seeing things in the spirit. Your spirit is bearing witness. And you feel God pushing you, nudging you, saying, I want you to take that leap. I want you to take that risk. I want you to be upset that you've been living life. Come on, we got to be upset with ourselves so we can receive the forward lean of Jesus Christ. No fear. No fear. No fear. Father, we love you. We thank you. We worship you. As they're, as they're worshiping, I am going to stop talking, I promise. Uh, as they are worshiping, y'all, as you, I'm going to encourage you, if you feel the Spirit, and you will, because the Spirit is a forward-leaning God. And so I don't mean to put pressure on anybody, but if we know that God is pushing all of us forward, you should feel this pressing to go forward, Right? But we, we respond, and in our response, with our action, the promise is released. You understand that? So God's word and his prompting plus our action equals the promise of God. It equals the manifestation. And so as they're, as they're singing and as they're worshiping, I'm just gonna ask the Holy Spirit. I'm just asking for just, I wanted to say wind, but the Lord actually just showed me water. Just moving, woo. Just coming out from the back, not even the doors, came right through the tops of the walls, just like a wave coming forward. We've all been an ocean before where you try to stand up and a wave hits you and it pushes you forward. That's what God is moving in this room. So I dare you to try and fight it because either way, the wave's gonna move with or without you. Don't get left behind. Don't get drowned by your circumstances. Respond. Respond in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you for tuning in to my podcast, Enforcing Purpose with Lisa Schwartz. For more information or to keep up on current events and products, please go to my website at www.lisa-schwartz.com. 